thinking. So kids are really stressed about, can I get into the right college? Am I ready? Am I prepared? Students are so stressed because they're trying to live up to expectations that may or may not be real from social media instead of listening to their parents. The perfection of social media. You got to be perfect. Welcome to Mental Health Matters. I'm your host, Vidi Michelson. On the show, we focus on the importance of mental health at Charlotte Country Day School. In my first episode, I talked with Malika Rajan about how she got into school counseling and her advice for students. Today, an award-winning author and expert in child-adolescent mental health and development will share with us her insight on mental health issues in teens and ways to utilize positive psychology. She's the author of five books with topics surrounding youth, parenting, and mental health. Some of her most well-known are No More Mean Girls and The Happy Kid Handbook. She recently addressed Country Day High School students with helpful strategies when dealing with life struggles. Stick around and hear my conversation with Dr. Katie Hurley. Joining me in the recording studio on November 9th, 2023, is Dr. Katie Hurley. Dr. Hurley has a BA in psychology and women's studies from Boston College, a master of social work from the University of Pennsylvania, and a doctor of social work from Simmons University. She holds a license as a clinical social worker and is the senior clinical advisor of the Jed Foundation. The Jed Foundation is a nonprofit dedicated to teen and young adult mental health and suicide prevention. Dr. Katie Hurley, thank you so much for joining us here in the Belk Learning Center. Thank you for having me. So today you were able to host an assembly to speak to Country Days High School about strategies for coping with mental health subjects. Tell me what you hope students walked away with knowing. I hope that most students walked away knowing that it's okay to go through hard times, that it's totally normal to feel really stressed out or anxious sometimes, but that there's things they can do about it to help themselves feel better. I also know that you are very dedicated to promoting mental health of youth in your private practice as a child and adolescent psychotherapist and during your speeches for schools, nonprofits, and other organizations. So tell me a little bit about um, what led you to this career path and why you chose this field. Oh, that's a good question. Thank you. So when I was about your age in high school, I went to a high school similar to Country Day, but it was in Connecticut. It was called the Kingswood Oxford School. And we were all working really, really hard to kind of like follow in our siblings' footsteps to certain colleges and stuff or where our parents went to college. And it was stressful. And we never knew what stress was. And I remember at one point I started having what I now know was anxiety, but at the time I didn't know it. But I would feel like I had this huge lump in my throat all the time. I relate and to that. Yeah. yeah. I would get like these headaches out of nowhere that would just be like this searing pain in my head. And I would tell my mom and she would be like, go lay down mm -hmm. or like, you'll be fine. Yeah. Have a Tylenol. Like it was like and nothing ever worked. And so I felt like weird, like there was something wrong with me. And then one of my best friends confided in me that she was feeling like I can't get out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I don't like everything's wrong and I'm doing everything wrong and I can't keep up with anything and everything just feels like too much. So I was having anxiety. She was having depression. Her parents didn't know what that was. Mine didn't know what anxiety was. And it's like, meanwhile, we had no resources. So I remember when I finally started learning about 
like the therapy was even a thing. Mm-hmm. Like in the 90s, it was not a thing. You know, so when I finally learned about that, I was like, this is what teenagers need. And I am going to do this when I grow up so that other teenagers can know that there's help out there. Yes. At your school, did you have any guidance counselors at all? We only had college counselors. That's it. Mm -hmm. So we would talk to teachers and there were a couple of teachers that would always have their offices open during lunch and stuff. And we would pop in on them and they would call our parents and say, hey, lay off. She's doing fine. Like, stop stalking her. Um, But it was hard. There just weren't any helping resources. What did you do to help yourself and your friend? So we would, I mean, it sounds silly now because I feel like I feel like teenagers are so different now and they have so many like better, more fun things to do on the weekends and stuff. But I mean, honestly, we would be like, let's have sleepovers and rent movies and eat a lot of popcorn and Doritos and stuff. And we would just try to cheer each other up by like hanging out together. But we, you know, we also played sports and stuff. So our schedules were busy, but we would always make sure to just like hang out and do random stuff on the weekends. I remember I got into this habit of, um, like trying to draw and I was not like particularly artistic, but I would just sit in my room and try to draw because at least then I wasn't thinking about all the things that I didn't think I was doing well or that were stressing me out. So in hindsight, I know that was me trying to figure out a way to cope, but it was hard. It wasn't until I got to college that I went to the counseling center and someone was like, oh, you have anxiety and we can deal with this. And I was like, oh, thank gosh. It's been like my whole life. (laughs) I know. I have like a comfort TV shows that help me. I love Gilmore Girls. Yes, love I love it. I love that show so much. I watch it all I the time. I love that show so much. I think I've watched it probably like five times Same. out the whole. I love it so much. But that helps me. Yep. Um, it comforts me a lot. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you struggled with some mental health issues when you were younger, and that's what led you to your career path. I know that a part of your career is also being a psychotherapist. Tell me what psychotherapy is and how it's different from traditional therapy. So what I do, because I work with teens and some college students, it's it's different because it's more led by the teen. So like I don't come into a room and say, I'm going to teach you these nine skills and you have to learn these nine skills. Mm-hmm. Like if you went to someone called a cognitive behavioral therapist, they would say, we have 12 weeks and you have to do homework in between sessions. And this, I know, right? That is not so fun. <laughs> homework totally. is my stressor. Oh yeah. my gosh. I know. Who wants therapy homework? Yeah. That's like legit. That's a thing. So I don't do that. Um, what I do is I say like often parents will come in with like their idea of why mm-hmm. their teen needs help. And then I push the parent out of the room and I'm like, Good. tell me what you want to talk about. Like, I'm just here to listen. I'm not going to judge. I will give you solutions if you want them or I'll just listen and hold your feelings for you or a mix of both. So I kind of let my teens drive the therapy week to week. And I do teach skills like mindfulness skills and slow breathing and, you know, reframing thoughts because I think all of those things are useful. But a lot of what I'm doing is really like holding the emotions for them so that they can get it out in a safe place where they know it won't go any further than me. Right. So what do you believe are the most common mental health issues you see in teens today? And what coping methods would you suggest for them? Um, Panic attacks are happening Mm -hmm. to a lot of teens right now. That is very normal. Um, Anxiety disorders. So anxiety is complicated because it's kind of like an umbrella term. And there's all these different like there's social anxiety and there's um, generalized anxiety and there's panic disorder. So there's sort of like all different things underneath it. And then we're seeing 
So it's a mix. There's a lot of depression, but a lot of eating disorders among mm-hmm. especially younger girls right now. So that's kind of tracking up. Um, so I teach a lot of coping skills. That's a lot of what I do is just like, let's figure out a coping skill that's going to work for you. Um, there's always some combination of sort of regulating like breathing and mindfulness, but also the cognitive skills. Like, how can you rethink? Um, Like, one thing I do with teens a lot is show me the evidence that this is true. (laughs) Show me the evidence this might not be true. And that helps us work through, okay, you know, maybe I was catastrophizing a little bit because I was so dysregulated. Um, Really helping teens understand how their brains work and what they can do to help calm themselves before they try to solve a situation is really, really important.Ometimes I say, watch Gilmore Girls <laughs> yeah. before you deal with this situation because you need to check out and calm down and right. then you'll have a clearer head, mm-hmm. you know? So it sounds not therapeutic, but actually it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say are some of the leading causes to these mental health issues in teens? So everybody wants to blame the pandemic, but we saw this happening before the pandemic. People in my field were kind of screaming like no one was listening. Yeah, that's funny you say that because I after quarantine is when I really noticed all my like mental health issues. But I also realized that looking back, I was like, I still had them. They were kind of just like masked more. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And after the pandemic, what happened was everybody felt like, oh, I can finally say these Mm -hmm. things. So in some ways, that was the gift of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that we're more honest about mental health. Um, I think there's a lot. It depends where you live and who you are. You know, there's a lot of different reasons that kids are feeling so anxious and so depressed. Um, Parents would like to blame technology. Yes. It can be one factor, but it's not the whole thing. So it's just really hard to be Mm -hmm. a teen right now. There's a ton of pressure from a systemic societal perspective, um, from parents, from teens themselves, from teachers, from coaches. Y'all are doing way more than any generation that came before you. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. There literally isn't enough time in the day to do all the things that you all are doing. And that has become an expectation. Instead of that being sort of the exception to the rule, like some kids do all the things all the time. Now everybody's doing all this stuff all the time. And there's no time to actually just be a teenager and like sort of mess around and have fun. I know. I feel like I'm always constantly thinking about school and it's so overwhelming. That's super overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of school and stressors and doing so much, how are some of the ways you help teens manage anxiety and stress? So like inside of school, you mean? Inside about school or just in general? In general, general. yeah. Um, So, I mean, one thing I really recommend is teaching teenagers how to like, I always say, don't look at the mountain look at the first step. So when we feel like we have a lot on our plates, like tests and papers and things to do, we tend to go look up high and go, this is impossible. I can't do all this stuff. And then that gets our brains spinning in a negative thought cycle. Like it's too hard. It's too much. There's no time. I have to do all this other stuff. And we end up procrastinating because, yeah, same. (laughs) I mean, because we're worrying about worrying about doing all the things. Right. So This is where mindfulness comes in handy, but like just I'll say to teens all the time, let's break it down. What do you actually have due this week? What's your priority for tonight because it's due tomorrow or you have to deal with it tomorrow morning, right? You might have something tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. Okay, let's budget how much time you need for that thing. Then we'll worry about the next thing. So breaking things down into manageable steps and then just only focusing on step one right now. So a lot of times, like I love technology and I have a calendar 
dinging at me all the time. It drives me slightly bananas. But <laughs> what I love is like an old school whiteboard in your bedroom where you can just put your daily. So you only worry about Monday on Monday and you only worry about Tuesday on Tuesday. And it just helps you like just kind of like push away some of the external stuff yep. that gets in the way. And stay focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some common misconceptions about teen mental health issues? There's a lot of dismissiveness from adults. Like, it's not that big a deal, or I did it, I was fine. Or in my day, we in just called day. it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that wasn't depression, yeah. We didn't have that. Um, and first of all, that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but second of all, like, it's different, right? It's, yes. Adults forget. They tend to have... Um, 2020 hindsight where they think they remember everything Mm -hmm. and that they, you know, can predict, but it's so different. And we forget that we went through hard stuff too. Um, So I think that's a common misconception is just that teens are being dramatic or overblowing things. And I don't think that's true at all. I think y'all are under a lot of stress and there's just a lot out there. The world is also like super not stable right now. Yes. Right. So in our own country, abroad, you all are more aware of news day to day because you're online and and you have access to it, which I think is great because you know more, right? You develop more empathy when you learn more about other countries, other states, like what people are going through. But the flip of that is that you take on a lot of that. I'm definitely guilty with that. When I'm talking to my friends and I'm trying to help them, I think I take that in. It's called being an empath. Is it right? is called being yes. an empath. That's right. I'm an empath too, so I understand that. I mm-hmm. identify with that. And empathy is like such a superpower, but you have to learn how to yes. set boundaries around it so that you're not always the only listener in the mm-hmm. room. I think some people have a hard time understanding sometimes there's a difference between like feeling depressed and being depressed or like having depression. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes that can be hard when you're trying to open up to people. I think that's hard, too. And I see I love TikTok mental health because there's a lot of great people like putting super great information out there, which I think is good. It's like good to know what these things mean and what they do. Right. Um, But there's also a lot of misinformation. And I think that's a little like you always have to. Try to find the people who are actually in the field and can give you good information because sometimes people are like words like depression and anxiety have gotten super watered Mm -hmm. down. And I don't want that to happen because they are important words, you know, and we need to know the difference between having a sad day or like Sunday blues, super common, especially this time of year with the time change. And now it's getting dark really early. Like that kind of like nighttime Um, sadness is common right now, especially for really sensitive folks. So it's important to know that, but it doesn't mean that you have depression. Right. You're listening to Mental Health Matters with your host, Vidya Michelson. This is a production of the podcast journalism class with Kick at Charlotte Country Day School. When you spoke to the high schoolers today at Country Day, you mentioned positive psychology. Mm -hmm. Could you explain to me what that is and how we can utilize that to benefit our mental health? Yeah. So there are all different branches of psychology. And developmental psychologists study, like, how people develop through different ages, from infants on up into older adulthood, right? Um, And social psychologists are studying the importance of social connections and how we interact with the world around us and all that stuff. So what positive psychologists study is how can we use our mindset to get through hard things? And as I said in the assembly, one thing that's happened is there's a lot of toxic positivity, especially on like reels and TikTok and stuff like Snap, stories, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. 
um, because it's confusing, I think, you know, and so sometimes people think like, oh, if I just say I feel awesome or I'm going to have an awesome day, that that's positive psychology. And it's not, yeah. you know, that's an affirmation. Trying to convince yourself yeah. even to, yeah. <laughs> like maybe it'll work, yeah. but it's not like really psychology exactly. So positive psychology is the study of how do we how do we use our brains in a way to approach the world from a more positive perspective? And so, you know, um, I mentioned Barbara Fudgickson from UNC Chapel Hill has done so much work and research in this area. And she's the one who developed the broaden and build theory. And basically what that says is that we can build new positive neural pathways in our brain when we broaden our brains and we open ourselves up to different kinds of thinking. So using um, you know, cognitive reframing is a good example of like, I I feel like everything's awful and I just can't go to school today. Like switching that to reframing that to this could be a hard day because I have a lot on my plate, but I, I think I can do it. And if I get overwhelmed, I'll talk to a counselor or something right. like that's a way to help us take a more positive approach to our daily living. Um, and it helps us kind of like not sink into the depressive thoughts or the intrusive thoughts because it's easy to do that. I say to teens all the time, it's okay to have depression. It's not okay to do depression. Mm -hmm. So when you feel your mind starting to go to that place, you have to do something about it or you're going to kind of sink into that really low mood. That makes sense. What are some other coping mechanisms you would suggest to teens with depression, anxiety, stress, mm -hmm. anything sort of like that? So I love to use vagus nerve exercises to sort of help reset the nervous system. So one thing that's really great, and again, like some of these things sound really silly, but they really work, plunging your face into cold water. So like it's a, and you may have heard a parent or mm -hmm. someone say, like, splash cold water on your face. And the where that comes from is um, stress it, reduction, yeah. right? Because it actually, like, sends that message to your nerve. Oh, I'm like, calm down now. Pay attention mm -hmm. to this. Because it kind of, like, shocks you almost. Yeah. And it's like you kind of get put back into reality for a second. That's right. You get put right yeah. back into yep. the moment. Um, putting an ice cube on your wrist is another way to do that or just sucking on an ice cube. Um, these are all ways to sort of stimulate that nerve and help reset your nervous system. You can do um, massage on your on your hand where your index finger meets your thumb. If oh, you yeah. Kind of, I've yeah, heard of that before. If you rub in circles on both sides of both hands, that actually sends messages to like settle yourself down and calm down your stress. So that's a good one to know how to do, you know, when you're in class or just anytime. It's something that you can do anywhere. Using a stress ball is another way to relieve tension and do some deep breathing. I talked about square breathing. I didn't show how to do it in the assembly, but I, you know, put a slide up and talked about it. But when you do square breathing, um, the way that we do it is we start at the bottom of the palm and we trace a line up to, to start forming a square. And on that way up, you're inhaling through your nose and counting two, three, four. And then when you trace across, you hold two, three, four. Then you slowly exhale out of your mouth down two, <laughs> three, four. And then you hold again across. I'm two, already like relaxed three, looking at it. Four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that combination of the breathing plus that tactile sense in the palm mm -hmm. of your hand, it actually promotes a feeling of calm. So that's a good one to have in your back pocket. You mentioned earlier, too, that you have seen a lot of eating disorders in teens. What would be some helpful coping mechanisms for that? So one thing that's great about your generation is you're trying really hard to like break down the stigma around mental health issues, which means you're talking more, 
um, you're speaking up when people are like making fun of mental health issues. Right. Like you're really trying to like bring awareness to it. But one that is still super stigmatized is eating disorders. Um, people have a hard time talking about it. And it's also super dangerous yes. um, because of what it does to your body physically and emotionally. So it's it's really dangerous and they can progress really quickly. So what I would say is there isn't a coping skill I can give to solve that problem in the moment. But if you see a friend who's struggling, you're noticing that they're pushing food around their plate and not eating or they're avoiding lunch mm -hmm. altogether um, and you perceive that they're like – losing energy um, or they say that they're trying to cut calories and not eating as much, go to a counselor to get help for your friend. When friends help seek for their friends, they have a better chance of getting better faster because they need treatment for that. What do you believe healthy self-esteem looks like? Well, healthy self-esteem is loving yourself in your current form, right? So it's knowing what your strengths are. And so I say that to teens all the time, like, but you can tell me all the complaints, but first you got to give me three strengths. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's three things you did well on your own this week? Um, and so that's important to like check in with yourself. We spend so much time thinking about what we do wrong as people. De we yes, don't definitely. stop to think about all the other things that we do well, you know, mm -hmm. even just like holding a door open for someone, like just being a good person. Those things really matter. And yes, when you start paying attention to those and you kind of track them in your brain or even on paper, it's like... <laughs> It helps you feel good because you're like, oh, yeah, I do do nice things. Like, exactly, I am a good person, yeah. right? So I think it's important to focus on those sort of small wins, I call them, um, little micro wins that we have throughout the day. Uh, Self-criticism is almost never good. Um, it's good to check in with ourselves and say, like, okay, what could I do differently? Right. You know, like, what could I change to, like, communicate in a better way or to study in a different way? Stuff like that, Right. Um, but that's more like self-evaluation. But when we're being critical of ourselves, we're hurting ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We're like bullying ourselves in a way. Um, and I say to teens all the time, would you say that to a friend? And they're always like, no, why would I ever say that to a friend? Like, then why would you say it to you, right? right. Don't treat yourself in a way that you would never treat another person. Um, but, so, you know, healthy self-esteem is going to look different for everyone depending on who you are. But in general, it leads to confidence and just moving through the world with a sense of ease, how would you say mental health issues can affect other aspects of your life? I've seen kids not want to play their favorite sport anymore, um, just not want to hang out with friends and socialize at all. I've seen kids just not be able to, you know, study and do the work that they would normally do, not want to be with their families, like just hiding out in their rooms, just just like laying on their beds. Um, people will always say, oh, they're on their phones, and they're not. Like even right. when you're that depressed or anxious, it's like, Kids tend to push, push their phones aside and they just mm -hmm. sit there feeling like everything's awful. So it really it affects your physical health, your mental health, your eating, your sleeping, your socializing, just about everything. What are some ways teens can improve their mental health daily? Yeah. So uh, taking walks is great if you happen to have a pet like a dog, um, spending time with that pet can be helpful because pets are like our good friends that listen to us and don't judge us, mm -hmm. right? So t I always say, like, talk to your pet. It's okay. It's not weird. Like, <laughs> do it all the time, yeah. you know? Um, but getting out for a walk can totally change your whole outlook. Sometimes fresh air on your face and a little sunshine on your face can change things for the better. Um, making sure that you're just taking care of your basic needs. So, like, showering, 
drinking lots of water, making healthy food choices. There's actually a whole super interesting body of research coming out now about how foods can feed your moods. Mm. So when you're eating more protein-rich foods, more omega-3 rich foods, um, B12 foods, that's actually pushing up the serotonin levels in your brain and um, helping lift you out of low moods, which oh, I think interesting. is yeah, super yeah. interesting because it's like natural medicine for your brain, right? Um, you know, I think what happens is when we're really low mood or we're really anxious, we just don't want to deal with anyone or anything. So I always say plan something small, like just do plan a FaceTime check in with one friend that, you know, you can trust instead of like trying to make plans to go out for the weekend. Like just try to plan a FaceTime or, um, you know, just try to plan watching a movie with your mom or dad or, you know, watching your favorite show together or something just to try to like get you engaging with someone else and, and ask to be cared for. You know, when we're sick, if I had a sore throat, I would say, I don't feel well. Can you help me? It's the same with mental health. Like yes. if you can't get out of a mood, like, cause you're just really struggling, we should be able to say, mom, like I'm really struggling with just feeling so down and out and I don't know what to do. Can you help me? That's a great follow-up because what advice would you give to parents who have a hard time understanding that kids struggle a lot with their mental health? And what would you say that they could do to help with that? The biggest thing that they can do is listen. What I tell adults, caring adults all the time is follow the 80-20 rule. Listen 80% and only talk 20. So mm -hmm. when a teenager comes to you, just make sure your door is open. Don't judge. Um, don't try to solve the problem for them. Just sit and be someone who can listen and empathize and say, yeah, that sucks. Because yeah. sometimes it really does. What's one piece of advice you would give a teenager that's struggling a lot with mental health issues? I would say find one person you feel like you can trust. It doesn't have to be a, a counselor, like if there's a coach that you're close to or a teacher that you're close to or even a friend. Just find one person that you can say, like, I'm struggling with my mental health. Like, I hope that we one day soon live in a world where instead of saying, hi, how are you? People say, hey, how's your mental health? Yeah. So that we can actually like have meaningful check-ins yeah. instead of surface level conversations all the time. Um, but being able to say that to a friend or a teacher or a coach or somebody, it just, it will help relieve that burden. At least it gets it off your chest and someone else knows that you need caring for. If someone feels like they need to ask for help, but they don't want to. What advice would you give them and how would you tell them to continue with asking for help? Well, you know, there is a really cool line called Teen Line that is, um, and you probably have a local one, right? I think so, yes. Do you? Yeah, okay. So teen call-in lines can be great because you don't know the other person on the <laughs> other end of the line, um, whether it's a text or call-in line, but they've been trained to respond to these situations. And so they know how to use empathic language. Also, they're teenagers, so they get it. Right. And they can be like, oh, yeah, I was totally in the same boat a month ago. Um, and that's a good way to get some help from another person, from a peer who might know better what you're going through than the adults in your life. I know that you mentioned your first experience with mental health issues was when you were in school and you were having a lot of anxiety. So what would you say that schools could do to help alleviate that? So one thing that's good about your school is you are well-resourced. You have like seven counselors, I think, um, spread across. So that's pretty good compared mm -hmm. to other schools in your Definitely. area. But not everybody's using them, right? And so I always say to schools, like, spend more time hanging out with the kids. Like, when you all, you have some cool flex periods where you yes. have like time out, like teachers, counselors, coaches should be walking around, like just engaging, hanging out, getting to know you all so that 
people can find their person, right? You right. only need one. You only need one person that you can trust inside of your school that you can go to. But it can be hard to figure that out, especially if you've had negative experiences in the past and you don't want your parents to get called. Um, so teachers can kind of flip that narrative by just being more present and spending more time engaging, talking about non-academic stuff. I do think, and I've talked to your teachers already, I, or some of them, but I do think they can reduce some of the homework load. I mean, the I research think, does not support yeah. homework as a useful tool. So um, your school is going to be talking about that, I think. I hope so. What resources or what advice would you um, tell teachers if they're having a hard time understanding I think what I would do and what I was recommending to your administration today is more professional development for teachers around mental health just so they can have a better understanding. Sometimes when I come to schools and do a day at a school, I end up in a room with teachers for an mm -hmm. hour as well. And I get to educate them about the brain and how it looks when it's anxious and how it looks when it's depressed and what that can mean. Um, I didn't get to do that today, but maybe I'll come back another time and do that with teachers. But I think that's the most important thing is more frequent um, professional development around mental health because a lot of people don't understand mental health and that's okay. I mean, honestly, it's only like pretty recent that people have really paid attention to the fact that kids can struggle with their mental health right. at all, yes. right? Um, so it's just about learning more and making sure that teachers have more information around it. What's one piece of advice you would give your younger self, the girl who was struggling with anxiety? What would be one piece of advice you could give her? Uh, if I could go back, I would say it's going to be okay. Go to sleep. Stop studying. <laughs> um, staying up until midnight isn't really going to change the score that much. Um, but believe in yourself. You're, I like that. You're going to be okay. I like that a lot. It's been great talking to you today. Thank you. You're a great interviewer. This Thank was lovely. Thank you. I've enjoyed this so much. And I, I think this will definitely help students with dealing with their mental health. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mental Health Matters. I'm your host, Vidya Michelson. I want to give a special thanks to Dr. Katie Hurley. This is a production of Charlotte Country Day School's Journalism Class with Kick. If you would like to see more from Dr. Katie Hurley, you can visit her website at practicalkatie.com. Most importantly, make sure you remember to always be kind to yourself. Thank you for listening.